Welcome to another Sunday morning sermon from Marysville Christian Church. We're glad you're here joining us on this journey to learn more, love more, and look more like Jesus. We invite you to grab a cup of coffee and a Bible as we dive into God's Word. God will give us exactly what we need to renew our faith and trust in Him. What do you do when your faith in God is shaken, fractured, and you're the one that others look to as the God guy to teach them about faith? Now, no, this isn't an autobiography, but it really could be in some respects. In the Old Testament, there's a story about a guy named Habakkuk. He was God's chosen messenger for that moment in time. And he's supposed to renew people's faith and trust in God. There's just one problem, though. Habakkuk doesn't even know if he still trusts in God. And so in that book, it's only a short one of three chapters, and this is the finish of that series this week, you see him wrestle with this. The ironic part of that is Habakkuk and his name means to embrace or to wrestle. And he was in quite a wrestling match with God. He knew God could do something about the injustice in the world, but it looked like God wasn't doing anything. And then God told him what he was going to do, but that didn't seem fair to Habakkuk, and it really rattled his faith and confidence in God. Sound familiar to you? It's much like a midlife crisis when our faith hits the wall. In Habakkuk chapter 1, you could summarize that with Habakkuk saying, I don't understand, God, it's just not fair. Probably something many of us have said in the last month or two. In Habakkuk chapter 2, God's response is, Habakkuk, you just need to slow down. Stop, listen, and then wait for it. Today in chapter 3, you'll hear Habakkuk's full circle come to a maturity of faith where he essentially says to himself and to God, I know I can trust you. The wall that Habakkuk's faith kept running into, though, is this. How can I trust you, God, when I don't see any good coming out of this? Again, something probably more than a few of us have mentioned to God in the last couple of months. What's the point of this? It's kind of like when you were in sports and the coach had you running wind sprints. After a while, you begin to wonder why we have to do this. Of course, later on during the game, you realized in basketball, it's easier to make free throws when you're fresh than when you're exhausted and your legs feel like jello. Or if you're in math class, why am I having to do these calculus problems? I'll never use this again in my life. The same thing's kind of true with practicing anything that we're not really good at. We get exasperated because we're not good at it, and we begin to wonder, what's the point of this? Why do I have to do this if I don't see how anything good is going to come from it? That's the same faith crisis that James talked about in James chapter 1. Consider how he phrased it. Consider it all joy. Other phrases of that in translations would read, consider yourself fortunate, my brothers, 
He reminds them that they're not in it alone. When you encounter various trials, temptations, tests, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, perseverance, or patience, is how other translations phrase that. And let endurance have its perfect result. One even phrased it this way, let it finish its intended purpose so that you might be perfect, mature, and complete, lacking in nothing. It's really not about becoming perfect and never messing up. It's about becoming more mature, like a green apple that turns into a red apple. It's allowing fruit to more fully develop. And that's what James says is the point of the things that we have to go through. It's so that we might become more fully and completely developed, so that when we are, we're not going to be lacking in anything that we need in our faith. Here's how Habakkuk begins to rebuild his trust in God. In Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2, the Good News translation phrases it this way, O Lord, I've heard of what you've done in the past, and I'm filled with awe. Now do it again in our times. The great deeds that you used to do, be merciful, even when you're angry. You see, you begin already to get an idea of Habakkuk's plan to renew and rebuild his faith. It starts with this. Number one, renew your memory of what God has done. Certain things trigger our memories, like songs. You'll listen to an old song from when you first started listening to the radio. And it just kind of takes you back to that happy place where you didn't have any cares in the world and everything was a lot easier and simpler. Or maybe smells, like my mom's oatmeal cookies. Habakkuk recalls how God rescued his people in Egypt through the Red Sea and all of that. And because he remembers what God has done in the past, it helps him to lay the foundation of renewing his faith in God now. Here's how he says it in chapter 3, verses 3 through 6. You are the same God who came from Teman and Paran to help us. Those were the areas near Mount Sinai where God was supposed to meet them after they crossed over the Red Sea. The brightness of your glory covered the heavens. Your praises were heard everywhere on earth. Your glory was as bright as the sun. That was one of the reasons why they sent Moses up on Mount Sinai was because it was so bright that they were afraid to look at it. Lightning flashed from your hands, hiding your mighty power. Dreadful diseases and plagues preceded you, like what happened with the ten plagues in Egypt. And they followed behind you as well. When you stood, the earth shook. When you stared, nations trembled. Kind of like that look you used to get from Dad. When you walked along your ancient paths, eternal mountains and hills crumbled and collapsed. In verses 7 through 15, later on, I'll just kind of mention this in passing, Habakkuk also takes time to reflect on how God had proven himself. 
when He rescued them and when they were stranded at the Red Sea, when He sustained them in their travels with manna and quail, when He gave them life-giving water in the middle of a desert when nothing was to be found, when He gave them structure and discipline as a people by giving them the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, and when He gave them guidance and direction each day through a column of cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. He protected them from their enemies. Even their sandals and their clothes didn't wear out all the years that they traveled to the promised land. You probably have your own memories of God's intervention in your own life. Those times when you didn't know how in the world things were going to work out. You couldn't imagine how it was going to get any better. And yet, you'll read a verse at just the right time and it speaks to your heart. You'll hear a sermon. (laughs) At least that's what preachers tell ourselves. And just that sermon, you're convinced, is speaking right to you. Or you'll see a verse that comes up maybe in a devotional app on your device. Or you'll hear a prayer. Or you'll get an unexpected note from somebody, an encouraging word of the moment. And that happens at a point when it's hard to trust anyone. And yet, because you begin to lay that foundation of remembering how God has intervened in your own life, you start to take your eyes off of whatever current crisis there is. And instead, you renew your trust in God by remembering what He's already done. The next thing that Habakkuk does is to accept what God is doing now. Not just acknowledge that God is doing something, but be actually willing to accept it. When God has spoken, that's it. We have to decide, are we going to accept it or are we going to ignore it? Some people just prefer to put their head in the sand, kind of like this image. Some people just get stuck in the past. Even though they don't want to be, they can't loosen themselves from the past that traps them and holds them in a place that doesn't look like God could be. Sometimes it's because we get trapped by our personal life. Sometimes we feel trapped by our finances. Sometimes we feel trapped by our marriage. Sometimes we feel trapped by our family and our kids. Sometimes we even feel trapped by the church. We know what God's will is. But sometimes we're just not ready to accept it. Or we're not yet ready to act on it. In Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 16, he describes our reaction when reality hits. He says, I listened to you, God, and my stomach churned. The sound made my lips quiver. My frame went limp as if my bones were decaying, and I shook as I tried to walk. I know, I know, it sounds a lot like symptoms of a virus that nobody wants to talk about these days. But yet Habakkuk says, in the middle of that, I will wait patiently for the day of disaster to come upon the people who attack us. I know what God has said, and I don't like it. 
I don't understand it, Habakkuk says, but I have to make the decision to wait, trusting Him. What do you do when it's hard to trust God, when it's hard to wait? First, you remember what God has done in the past, how He's proven Himself over and over. Second, you have to be willing to accept what God is now doing. And the third thing is to trust what God is going to do next. When life gets hard and faith is fractured, the chaos and calamity all around us can take us down a rabbit hole into the absolute worst case scenario. And we can't seem to break free of it. It makes it harder than ever to renew our trust in anything or anyone. Eventually, faith renewed begins with making a choice, a deliberate, intentional decision. Here's how it's phrased in Habakkuk 3, verse 17 and 18. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crop fails and there are no, there's, no field, there's no food growing in the field, even if the flocks die in the field and the cattle barns are empty, I will still celebrate. I will still rejoice in the God of my deliverance. That's not easy. In 2015, 21 Egyptian Christians who were young construction workers were captured by ISIS. They were tortured for their faith in God. And when they refused to renounce their allegiance to Christ, they were marched on camera out to a beach on the Mediterranean Sea, some believe it to be in Tripoli, where they were lined up, forced to their knees, and one by one, they were beheaded on video for the whole world to see. The beach and the incoming tide was red with their blood. Witnesses, however, say that they were heard singing praises and hymns to God at their death. What mattered most to them at that point? The inconvenience of a virus? The inconvenience of it all, the uh, at-home schooling, Zoom meetings, the stock market, a mask that might have to be worn? I know right now that just seems absurd and silly. But they were celebrating their God. At a time, honestly, over the last couple of weeks when I've been struggling with a bad attitude I may question their theology, but you can't question their devotion. They're singing praises, and all I'm doing is complaining. We complain about being separated by six feet from each other while their heads were being separated from their bodies. That's a maturity of faith that only comes with confidence in what God has done, what God is doing now, and the promise of what God will do for His people in the future. Even if, Habakkuk says, 
The fig trees have no blossoms. The grapes are gone from the vines. Even if the olive crop fails and there's no food growing in the fields, if the sheep die in the field, if the cattle barns are empty, even if, he says, I will still celebrate and rejoice in God. Not in the absence of any of those things that were necessary for life, but in spite of their absence, he would celebrate in God. When there's no visible reason for hope, I trust in him. No blossoms, no grapes, no crops, no flocks, even if, he says. What about you? Are you ready for your faith to say what Habakkuk said? Even if I've done everything there is to do and nothing still works, I will still trust in God. Even if I've done everything I can for my marriage and it's still floundering, I'll still trust in God. Even if my kids are still driving me nuts and making horrible decisions, I will still trust in God. Even if it seems like I can't break out of this spiritual slump, I will still trust in God. When we renew our trust is when we find that God gives us the strength to walk on, even on shaky ground. In Habakkuk 3, verse 19, it says, The Lord, gave, the Lord God gives me strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer who does not stumble so that I can walk on the steep mountains. We've heard a lot about the three phases to restart our country and restart our economy. Maybe it's time we listen to Habakkuk's three phases to restart our faith. One, remember what God has done. Two, accept what God is doing, even if you disagree with it or don't understand it. And three, trust God what God will do. You can't have Habakkuk's kind of faith if you've never had the confusions and questions that Habakkuk had in chapter 1. You can't have Habakkuk's kind of faith if you've never had the willingness to stop, slow down, listen, and wait for what God will reveal. You can't have Habakkuk's kind of faith if you've never been at your lowest valley like Habakkuk was in chapter 3 to see God renew your trust in Him. When you've walked with the Lord through enough of yesterday's valleys, that's when you know that you can trust His steps where there's no visible path today. May God lead us, forget you, may God lead me, like he did Habakkuk. Away from my whining and frustration to a place of worship and amazement. That won't happen without a ton of questions. That won't happen without wrestling with our doubts. 
That won't happen without the frustration of fear of the unknown and being out of control. And yet that all gets replaced by Habakkuk's three-phase plan of renewal for faith. Remember what God has done. Accept what God is doing. And trust what God is going to do. The conclusion in Habakkuk 3 May God bring us all to a place of maturity and faith. When the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vine, when the olive crop fails and there are no food growing in the fields, even if all the flocks die in the field and the cattle barns are empty, listen to how he finishes it with a renewed faith. I will celebrate and rejoice in the God of my deliverance. The Lord gives me strength. He makes me sure-footed as a deer that doesn't stumble so that I can walk when the mountains get steep. May God bless you as you learn how to renew your faith in a God who helps you regain your footing and celebrate what God has done. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Marysville Christian Church and connect with us, be sure to go to our website, marysvillechristian.org. If you are near the Marysville area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday morning. We have our Bible study classes at 9 a.m. and our regular worship service is at 10 a.m. Our address is 17,000 Waldo Road, Marysville, Ohio, 43040. Our phone number is 937-642-9838. Email is office at barrysvillechristian.org.